morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum and I am the host of A Pen and a Napkin Podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. We are at episode 19. Hard to believe we've already, or this will be cranking out episode 19, almost to 20 here. Really excited for our guest here this evening, Tyler Struck from Nevada High School. I got it right already, Coach. <laughs> one for one so far. Uh, Nevada High School over in Iowa. Uh, and a longtime experienced coach has done a great job in his career. Uh, first of all, before we get going, as always, we want to recognize our sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha, uh, which is just off 144th and Maple. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. You can check out their pra- practice at COSACChiro.com. That's K O S. A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com, or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Once you go in, be sure to tell Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi that a pen and a napkin sent you. Give us a follow on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We uh, try to put on some daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin, so give us a follow there. Uh, we're very close, inching closer to a milestone number, um, so that would be cool. Uh, Obviously, if you're listening, you're listening on SoundCloud or iTunes, so rate it, review it, subscribe, like, all those fun things that make stuff looks, you know, makes things look really good on on those listening uh, platforms. Uh, like I said, we just, we, we've said this since day one, we just want to help coaches get better. Uh, if you'd like to email the pod, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you have any suggestions, so forth and so on, uh, email us there at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Tyler Struck from Nevada, two for two high school. Uh, Tyler, how you doing tonight? You know, we're doing great. Thanks uh, for having me on. I'm I'm really excited to get to join the ranks of, like I told you in my email, probably some more successful coaches than myself. So I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to get to do this with you and looking forward to the conversation. Well, I like having interesting people who have had diverse experiences and, uh, you know, again, this, this whole enterprise for what it's worth um you know it's, it's just all about helping other coaches get better and and getting different perspectives and and you've got a, a lot of different perspectives that we could talk about and, and 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 that's what we want to do so um so about those perspectives let's just jump right in uh as we kind of always do here uh coach uh, just kind of inform our listeners uh your background uh your journey and and how did you end up at nevada high school um, yeah, kind of a, um, you know, I'm sure a, a journey similar to a lot of coaches when um, you first start out, you know, you're just, you're, you're trying to get your feet wet, trying to do whatever you can. Um, you know, I, I actually first started coaching Little League Baseball when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, I always oh. wanted to be a coach. Um, it's something I wanted to do since I was a little kid. Uh, I was the guy in the, in the driveway and I was always dreaming of somebody else making the shot and I was the guy on the sidelines coaching all night and I don't, I I guess as I grew up, I found that was a little weirder than I thought maybe at the time, but uh, um, something I've always wanted to do. So obviously I got involved um, at an early age. I started working at a small school in Cedar Falls, Iowa, NU High. Um, I was an assistant coach there when I was 20 um, for a year, and then I got an opportunity to work some basketball camps for Coach McDermott at UNI, um, and I got the lucky uh, draw, I guess, and I got a fifth-grade Doug McDermott on my team. 
so as I, as I was doing that, um, you know, Coach Mack happened to watch a couple more of the games that I was kind of involved in, obviously, because this kid was playing on my court. And, uh, yeah. um, he, he must have liked something that he saw and asked me if I wanted to kind of help out and uh, maybe be a graduate assistant coach for the UNM men's basketball team. So I was lucky enough to do that for three years from uh, 2003 to 2006. Um, those also happen to be the three years that uh, McDermott and I guess myself and the guys made the uh, NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, so got the, got an unbelievable experience going to three NCAA tournaments. Uh, Mac then took the job at Iowa State. Um, and I realized that I, um, as much as I love the college life, wanted wanted to get uh, back to more, I guess, coaching the game, more teaching the game, and uh, get back to the high school level. Um, so I went back to that NU High, that small school there again in Cedar Falls, and uh, this time as a head girls basketball coach. Um, did that for three years. Um, saw some saw some good improvement. Uh, didn't probably have the greatest teams in the world uh, when we were there, but saw some good improvement with those teams. And um, still to this day, I keep in contact with some of those girls we coached there. My assistant coach that was there with me. And um, as, as life will have it, uh, my wife at the time had a job, decided uh, that that wasn't working out great for her at Cornell College, and uh, got a job at uh, – uh, Miller North um, at the start of a school year. So before I knew it, we were moving to Omaha, Nebraska. And mm-hmm. um, like I said, we were engaged at the time, uh, moved down there. And when we were there, uh, looking around and Millard South had a girls basketball job opening. So luckily for me, I got to meet Steve Throne and, and all the great people at Millard South and uh, ended up getting my first teaching job there, coached there for a couple of years. Um, and, and through that, through Throne, um, who had, at the time, who unfortunately passed away, but Dr. Ludwig, who was a superintendent down at Beatrice, they were looking for someone to fill in, uh, technically not after Jim Weeks, because another coach had already taken the job and then turned it down without ever coaching a game. Yeah. Um, but So they kind of were in a weird spot. And so they reached out to some of their people, and Throne happened to be one of them. Um, and he kind of put my name in and said, I, he goes, I, you don't have to hire him, but I'd interview him. And, uh, so I went down there as a JV girls basketball coach from Miller South and ended up getting uh, one of, obviously, the, the premier class B boys basketball jobs in the state of Nebraska. And had six really good years at Beatrice and um, enjoyed my time. Obviously, some, some struggles and some unbelievable moments there. But uh, um, through it all, kind of, um, you know, we, we started to have kids, my wife and I. And when, when you're six, six and a half hours away from one of the sets of grandparents, that, that starts to become a little bit of an issue. Yeah. Um, a good friend of mine who actually did back to that small school in Cedar Falls, Cody Asmus, happens to be the principal here at Nevada. Um, and, and we coached football together at NU High there for a couple of years. Um, and he was a good friend of mine, grew up across the street from my cousin, um, best friends for a long time. So he had always kind of had me in the back of his mind. I had always kind of had maybe working for him in the back of my mind again. And a situation arose with the teaching and coaching and everything kind of opened up. And uh, like I said, with uh, – the second grandkid on the way decided that this is maybe a move that we needed to make. And uh, that's landed me here back uh, somewhere in the middle of Iowa instead of somewhere in middle of America down there in uh, <laughs> Omaha, Beatrice. Oh, wow. Accounting Crows reference early. I oh, like it. Bet. I like it. I like it. Oh, wow. If you throw in Matchbox 20 and Foo Fighters, we're going to have a, a late 90s revival. So yeah, I was, was going to say we're dating ourselves a little bit, but you're right in my wheelhouse with those two as well. So. Uh, see, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back a little further. I'm going to go back to the hair metal of like uh, Firehouse and uh, uh, Queensryche oh. and, and oh, all, yeah. all that good stuff. So uh, Def Leppard, Poison. Oh, that's... 
that's 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 where it's at. So, so, so you uh, you were able to look really good in a summer camp because you were coaching uh, coaching Doug McDermott. Yeah, that yeah that definitely helps. Uh, you know, and, uh, um, yeah, you know, it was one of those things. You know, um, good advice that you know I was given from my dad, and good advice that you know I think every coach has probably been given or have or has given at some point in their life is you know you, you gotta you can't be afraid to work. You can't be afraid if you want to do this. You know, put yourself out there and finding opportunities to coach. You know, yep. and, yep. and Malcolm Gladwell books talk about the ten thousand hours, all those things. And I was I I, I was in Cedar Falls. They were having day camps and little kid camps and yep. different things and i i was lucky enough that you know what i asked that they take someone to work and uh, now with doing those camps over and over again including a lot still at creighton with coach mack i know why they were so eager to take me because those are a grind yeah those, they are you know those, those yeah. long days of camp but yeah. you know i went and worked and like i said got got uh kind of my my enthusiasm for the game and just enjoying it um and like I said, having Doug on the team obviously helped a little bit, uh, but it was it was a great experience, and uh, I was I was very very flattered that coach asked me to you know maybe be a bigger part of their program, and like I said, ended up having three great years with them. Um, I think you were the real key why he scored three thousand points in college. I, I mean, I, I will tell you, it's, uh, it, it was funny, you know, when I when I got talking to my wife about it. You know, they move. Matt comes to Creighton, brings. You know, Doug decides to go with him. Um, we're we're there. We're in Omaha all the time, so we got to see a ton of his games, even with our basketball schedules being yeah. as crazy as they were. You know, we we were able to go to a lot of his games and see him. And she she always kind of marveled at the fact he'd still come up to me. Oh, T. Struck, how you doing? And always kind of still act like that middle school kid that I used to chase around at all the valley tournaments when I was babysitting. And when Matt would have to go do an interview <laughs> like this or do something else, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's crazy now when you get to watch him play for the Pacers on TV. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's funny to think how far that's come, but I mean, I, I would give myself maybe a thousand of those points. Probably <laughs> but I, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure the couple, a couple other two or three are probably good for him. So. I gotcha. Yeah. How was, uh, uh, was, uh, how old was Sydney then? She would have been about, oh, Sid- yeah, she would have been really young. young. Sydney was little. Yeah. yeah. Then I always remember, uh, yeah, I think it was my first year there. She wore a shirt that said, my daddy's the coach. And on the back it said, but I'm the boss. Yeah. And I always, every now and then remind coaches that. I, go, I think that's still kind of the case with Sydney. I can, uh, she, I can, I can affirm that. I can yeah. wholeheartedly <laughs> affirm that. So. Yeah. You know, yeah. Great. Yeah. But yeah, she was, I mean, she was like my little girls running around, you know, at those yep. games and yeah, to watch her, I got to see her play. Obviously, against Beatrice, a couple of those years. Yep. And then, uh, you know, with with you and um, on the basketball court, and obviously on the volleyball court uh, before we moved here these last couple of years. So, yeah, it was it was fun to see her kind of grow up, and and I do mean up as as tall as she ended up getting. But yeah, uh, yeah it was it was it was fun to see her in action there a couple of times. Yep. Um, what uh, you know, we, we kind of got sidetracked there going down memory lane, but, um, you know, uh, coach McDermott has obviously had a huge influence on your career. You know, what, you know, in those three years that you worked for him, what are some of the things that you took from him, uh, that has helped you develop as a head coach and, and, and led to the success that you've had so far? Um, you know, I mean, obviously, um, I'd be crazy you know, not to talk about the X's and O's part, but the, the actual basketball knowledge I gained from him. Um, you know, still one of, in my opinion, one of the best um, play callers, I guess if you call it that, at the college basketball level, you know, after timeouts, out of bounds plays, all those things. Uh, you know, the, the way he saw the game, especially offensively, um, really opened my eyes to a lot of things. And um, I guess on the flip side of that was then in practice how simplified things were. You know, as 
is I come from being a, you know, a girls coach and different things. And all of a sudden now I'm in this division one, you know, a place I've dreamed about being my whole life. You know, I'm, I'm expecting to have these amazing drills, amazing things going on in practice. And they're doing two wall ball handling, you know, they're working on, on footwork in the post, you know, they're working on catching and shooting and, and to, to see those things and have that reaffirmed of, you know, that there are certain things, there are certain skills that, if you're going to be successful to get basketball, you have to have, you know, mm-hmm. and even to see those guys at that level with that athleticism, height, speed, all those things, you know, still working on pivoting in the post, still doing jump stops, still doing those things, you know, I think was, was extremely important. Um, but on the other hand, and probably more important um, was the type of person that Mac was. I mean, uh, an unbelievable guy, you know, treated, treated everyone with respect, you know, it, someone that you could, you could talk to about anything that you could go to. Um, and just the way he t- treated me, you know, he, you know, obviously called me, you know, a buddy or, you know, all those things early on. And, and by that second or third year, you know, I, I can still remember the time he called me brother. He's like, Hey brother, go run and get this for me. And, you know, just that, that, that family atmosphere that he brought the way he, the way he treated people and the way that he saw himself, you know, and, you know, again, to me, that division one level, that, that, oh my gosh, the pinnacle of basketball, you know, in my mind, that this guy had reached, and he was still a kid from Cascade, you know, yeah. he was excited, he was excited when his mom and dad came to basketball games, he, he was, you know, we, uh, I'll never forget the first time we went to Hilton, um, and me and him were walking up the stairs after a shoot-around that night, um, and he turned around and looked, and he's like, we're, we're going to get to play a basketball game in here tomorrow you know he still kind of had that awe, you know that those kind of things and um which is which is crazy because obviously you've you've met coach mack and for all those people that have i mean he's not the smallest of guys you know he's not no. a little you know five ten go getter he, he's a big man he's a presence you know he has all those things but you know that there was always just that little bit of like man i can't believe i get to do this for a living and um and that you know honestly has got me through some obviously some some good times but some really hard times too and just remembering you know how, how excited he was to, to get to do what he was doing how much he loved to get to do what he was doing and um even though obviously maybe at a different level and um at a different place but it's it reminds me that i need to be very happy that i get to do this too and that i get to make a living out of this um thing that like i said i've loved for so long and, and dreamt about doing um you know the the coach mac that you coached under schematically it, w- it was radically different than what they do now you yes. know and, yep. and and a lot of people you know they they you know they see doug scoring the three thousand points and you know the let it fly you know hashtag let it fly yep. <laughs> i want to give yep. it proper credit hashtag let it fly yes, exactly. um but when he was man. when he was at northern iowa and when he was at iowa state and even when he started out here at creighton he was definitely more like what ben jacobson's doing now at northern yep. iowa wasn't he yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I think that, um, you know, even with some of the talks I've had about that and um, just some of the differences, I still see glimpses of that um, in Craig, you know, that um, even even with this team, the let it fly and how much how many more possessions they have now, he, he's still always been one of those top 20, top 25 in assisted turnover ratio teams. You know, you still don't get to turn the ball over for him. You, you still don't get to do some of those things. But you're right. The, schematically, you know, you and I, um, you know, yeah, there was a lot of nights we, we had. Uh, you know, we always kind of joke. We had hundreds of set plays. I mean, we we yes. had twenty or we had twenty or thirty completely different sets just for zones. You know, let alone all the man to man stuff. Plus, you had a bounce plus all that. Um, because there, there were some times where you had to do that. You had to access and owe yourself. You know, one of 
one of the best games I've been a part of and, and probably one of the ugliest games I've been a part of. I remember we were at Southern Illinois. Uh, it was my second year. We had, uh, um, it, it was on ESPN too. And, and I'm not kidding. I think the score was like 40 to 38 with a couple minutes to go. Oh, I don't it doubt it. It was just yeah. a slugfest yeah. back and forth. But in those kind of games, if you can run the, you know, your fifth counter to one of your sets better than the other team can, you know, you, it, it was going to be big. And, um, you know, I, I think that, that kind of evolution um some of it has just come i'm sure just from mac just getting older going through things you know going through the process but also i i think even just at creighton and then now, especially now in the big east just realizing that that little more open style like you mentioned the move from you and i to iowa state and iowa state to creighton um and i, and I think he kind of had to try to meld those two worlds together of what worked and didn't work at you and i and then what worked and didn't work at iowa state um and it's kind of come around to this and Obviously, now he's got guys that have bought into it, guys that are, you know, uh, coming there to, to, to get to hashtag let it fly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, and I think I think it's all worked there. But like I said, I still see the glimpses of it. I can I can still see the jazz side and different little plays. Like, oh, yep, I remember that. And um, some of those things. But, yeah, it's been really interesting to see from my end of how he's kind of melded that into this high octane, you know, fast paced offense that he's running now. Yeah. And it was it was not. Uh, you know, he he made that change. I think at the end of his first year, and and uh, as the story goes, and you know, it was you know pretty radical. All of a sudden, the next year they come out and they're averaging ninety a game, and Doug's doing what Doug's doing, you know, and all this other stuff. It's like, holy cow, what what just happened here? But it, you know what? It's it's been great for for the program. It's been great for the city. It's given the program, you know. The identity, you know, and, yes. and we, we all search for that identity in our program and what we're going to hang our hat on. And, and and that is what they've decided to go with. And it's worked out really, really well for them, uh, you know, especially when they got the three stud guards like they have this year, too. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that's a good, you know, a good lesson, too, for coaches. Like I said, I... I, I consider Mac to be one of the, the best offensive basketball minds I've ever met or even seen. And he, you know, he's drastically changed his offense. He's like, we've talked about over the course of these years. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to get stuck. You know, I, I always have a problem with people that get stuck in a system or talk about, well, this is how we've always done things. You know, I think especially in basketball, you have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to move on. Um, the nice thing for him at the college level is once you kind of find one of those systems you really like, you can kind of start recruiting that way. Yeah. You can start pushing people that way, you know. Yep. At the high school level, that's always not maybe the case. You know, yep. you, you got to kind of be able to ebb and flow a little bit. And so, again, it's good as we talk about one of those influences or mentors, you know, to be able to see him do that um, still gives me hope for if I can keep finding a way to trick him to keep letting me do this for a while. Um, yep. You know, that if I'm going to have to change a little bit, I'm going to have to do that and find what works for the kids that I'm going to have. Well, speaking of ebbing and flowing, uh, from one thing to another, you see that transition there. I'm starting to get kind of good at this. Yep, you're uh, really good at this. I like it. <laughs> um, you know, you've, you 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 kind of went back and, and now you know you, you you know high school head girls coach, and then you did the division yep. one thing, and then you were an assistant high school girls coach, and then you went back to the guys. You know, you just kind of went back and forth there. Uh, what were kind of some of the the differences that you saw between coaching the two genders and you know did you have to adapt to anything because I know we probably have coaches listening that are you know do I want to coach guys do I want to coach girls am I stuck coaching girls if I if I start with girls or vice versa you know um kind of you know what what uh, what are some things that you've learned from from your career in that regard 
Well, you know, I mean, I, I think that's a great issue, first of all, and, and, it, and it is something that um, I think, you know, kind of can sometimes carry that with, you know, the one side or the other line of this coach or that coach. Yeah. To me, it's always been basketball. Um, to me, um, you know, obviously it's a one sport. You know, obviously if you go from coaching football to volleyball, that's going to be a bit of a jump, you know. But in basketball, it, it's still the same sport, played the same way. Um, you know, as far as some of the differences I've seen, um, and, and this is maybe just in my experience, but, I, but I've found that, um, there's obviously some, there, there's good both ways. One of, one of the things I always liked and appreciated with the girls that I coached, um, was every day was a new day. You know, they were ready to go. We, we, we'd have a tough loss and, um, they kind of would, they, you know, obviously it bothered them. It, it, they'd carry it with them, but you know, the next day in practice, they were eager. They were ready to learn. They're ready to be coached. Um, or sometimes the, the guys teams I've coached have, have held on to that loss a little longer, maybe even longer than I've realized I've held on to it. Um, you know, and I don't know if that's an ego thing or if that's just, like I said, maybe the experience I had with the teams I coached. Um, but on the other side, too, there was some things that maybe I wanted those girls to stick with them a little longer after a loss that they were already moving on to something different and, and going through that. So, uh, you know, there's, why don't you be miserable like, like me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, there was definitely, there was definitely some of that on, on both ends. I, I, um, could see some of those differences, but uh, um, for me, I was like I said, with especially with those with those girls teams when I was the head coach in Iowa. Um, you know, we we were not the most successful. Um, you know, night in and night out in the win loss column, but uh, they they gave a ton of themselves to the program. They gave a ton of themselves to me and each other. Um, and they 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 did learn and they did progress. You know, and I could see that appreciation in them. I've been told that appreciation from them um, of the fact that you know I stuck with it, they stuck with it, um, and and. I'll be honest, I've been lucky. I have not had a, a boys team that struggled as much wins and losses um, like that to, to really compare it to. But I, it, I, I have a feeling that that might be a little tougher. I'm in a boys locker room that it wasn't a girls. That they, they were able to see the progress. They were able to see kind of the, the good that was coming, even though it wasn't maybe showing up in the scoreboard every night. Um, and so, so that part's been fun. Um, as far as the X's and O's, you know, the only biggest thing, Obviously, the girls' game isn't played as much above the rim, um, but a lot of the sets, a lot of the things I ran were were, were fairly similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and and one of the things I actually use this talking in my interview um, with going to Beatrice from the girls' side to the boys, and you know, because obviously that that was one of the things that it maybe came up. Um, you know, I, I remember being at you and I with Mac, and we would record the WNBA. Um, finals every year and some of the semifinals and he always wanted to watch those he goes god they have the best stuff they have the best sets they have great out of bounds plays they always get shooters the ball because they couldn't you know in the NBA it's a lot of yeah. isolation a lot of pick and roll yep. and they just said you know in the WNBA they're moving stuff they're setting screens they're you know they're, they're working as five on the court so um I've, I've always appreciated that. I, like I said, to me, basketball is basketball, but there are some differences there. There are some things. Uh, um, something I learned early on, and, I, and I've gotten away from it. I used to, uh, in college, Mac, we always, when we split up, you always say guards on there, big guys down there. And I learned in a girls' basketball program that's that's not how you split up your groups. You do not do guards on one end and big girls on the other end. So um, I definitely learned that. Um, it's guards and posts now and uh, little things like that that, uh, you know, you try to stay away from. But, yeah, um, yeah it was good. Like I, like I said, I've, I, I enjoyed coaching both. I think there's a ton of similarities, and there are some little differences here and there. But um, for the most part, if you're, if you're in it for the right reasons, if you're trying to – get kids to be better at basketball, get them to be better people. Um, and you know your X's and O's, the, the girls and boys side, that there's not going to be a ton of difference there. Did you find yourself um, 
you know, coming from, you know, a situation where Coach McDermott, like you said, you know, had literally hundreds of plays, and, and I know this for fact just as much as you do, that he, he people think we're exaggerating when we say he had hundreds of oh, plays. Yeah. No, he literally had hundreds yep. of plays. Uh, did you find yourself uh, tempted to try and do some of those same things in, instead of trying to, you know, with the high school kids, they just don't have the time or the, the game experience or whatever to, to be able to implement, you know, as much of that type of stuff. Uh, yeah, you, know, you know, did, yeah, did, did, I, did I you, did you catch yourself overdoing some things schematically? Yes. Yes, and what, and what, I've, what um, I, I definitely did. Um, I, I definitely did at both levels when I, when I was on when I was on the girls' side and on the boys' side. Um, and, and what I found is, um, and, and I'm I'm as guilty as for anyone. You know, like I said, I, I follow a pen and napkin on Twitter. I also follow basketball immersion and, and this coach and that coach and John. And, and so yeah, you see these little clips, especially around NCAA tournament time. You see these out of bounds plays. You start writing them down in your notebooks. You start wanting to in, implement all this stuff. Um, and, and it does, it gets tough and, and, and it's tough for a guy like me who wants to think the game that way. Um, my, my biggest mistake I made early on um, with doing that with set plays and doing things was always trying to add a completely different look. You know, running run a play and thinking, okay, I'm, now, I, now we need something completely different to get a wing ball screen because we've already ran this look out of a 1-2-2 two, two set or a 1-3-1 one, one look or, you know, however you did. And um, it, it, It's actually been until these last couple of years I've kind of went back um, to, to some things we did with Mac. You talk about the 100-set plays. He, he was great at the counters. You know, what he's talked about, you know, he has had his one call and then it was one up, one down, one side, one fake, one fist, one chop. One, you know, it's just on and on and on with all the different things he can do out of that one set play. And so what I've tried to do is I'm trying to get to the, the – I'm trying to get to where, yeah, we have these three or four major set plays we're going to run. And then the, vari- the variations off of them, the counters off of them. How, how can I take something I see? on a Saturday afternoon watching college basketball and and meld it with, okay, this is what we already kind of do. Now maybe I can add this little wrinkle to it. And and I think it's been better off because it's it, you're not wasting as much time trying to put in all these different sets, all these different looks. Like you said, at the high school level, it's just, you just your practice time's limited. Um, what the guys can keep in their brain are limited, um, especially during school and all those different things, and yep. snow days and all that stuff that happens in the winter. Yep. So uh, it, it's it's been a good adjustment for me, and I, and I think I'm I'm starting to see some some really good things come from that and instead of trying to go real deep into the bank of trips. Yep. Um, so you you went down to like you like you you'd mentioned uh your journey took you from uh here to there you were at millard south and then you had the situation where you end up getting the job at beatrice and not directly replacing jim weeks uh, but but you know coaching the next game after jim weeks was was done um and and you were there for it was six years right yes yeah okay um and and those are some big shoes to fill you know beatrice is a is a uh, it's a decent size i mean it's it's a small town but for nebraska it's a decent sized town uh but you're the only show in town for the most part you are the biggest yep. show in town from you know december january february into march um you know what were uh, you're stepping in for a guy that won multiple state championships that had been there for a long time that uh 
the average high school fan in the state knew who he was. And there had to be some really, really good things about that, but there also had to be some some tough things that you went through as well. Uh, what were, you know, what was that experience like? What did you learn from it? Because we're going to have coaches, I'm you know, we, we have assistant coaches that listen that, are, that think, well, hey, if I'm going in, you know, into this great program, if I get this job at, 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 at East High, uh, you know, this is going to be a piece of cake, but I'm guessing it wasn't as easy as what it would seem from the outside. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I think you, I think you nailed it, right? You know, when you in the intro when you said a lot of good things, but some really hard things. You know, and uh, when I think back to those six years, that, that's exactly what happened. You know, there. Um, I will say this: the majority of the people in that town were very supportive. Um, they, they um, it helped. My wife was also working in the school, and, and she's much better at her job than I am at mine. She was our athletic trainer at the school. Um, so obviously, when you're dealing with injuries and you're dealing with kids, and, or more importantly, parents of kids who are hurt um you know that 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 tends to help a little bit so um you know the the town was really supportive but uh, like you said with a guy like weeks who had been there for so long and had had ran his system and done his things his way for an extremely long time you're always going to be put up against that you're always going to be looked at that way um you know those couple years we had a three-year stretch where we had as good a winning percentage as anyone in the state um my second third and fourth year um and during that time, there were some things that we did different, and, and it was applauded at times. And it, there was people in the town, I think, that were said, "Yeah, you know, if we if we would have done this that way, maybe you know." <laughs> but then, then, but then, but then, there's also the other people on the other side that maybe when you struggle or things don't go as well, they will see. But if we wouldn't have done that, if we would have stayed with this, and so you're always going to kind of be fighting that shadow um, a little bit. Um, I, I will tell you. Uh, as much as I love winning, I'm a competitive person. Um, I, I obviously, I want to be successful and I want to help the kids that I coach be successful. It, that is not the number one reason I got into coaching. So it, it was hard sometimes to block out some of that noise. Um, but the, the kids I coached were great. The, the kids were there. They wanted to be there. They played hard for me. Um, you know, I, like I said, I still have to for We, we played a game last year right before Christmas break here in Nevada and I look up and, uh, Brandon Rickenberg and Dalton Hardig and Tilda Bardsley, three kids that you know I coached that the actors are, are in the stands and they had talked to my wife. They ended up sleeping in our partially finished basement that night. And, <laughs> um, you know that, and so you know those kind of things, those relationships, and those things were um, extremely important to me when when I was there and, and, and still are. So, um, but like I said, there's there was definitely some some, some good and some bad. A, a big part of the good was when you're following someone like that. Um, you know, one thing Jim did make sure that he got out of his players was was full effort. Um, and and I think the six years I was at the actress, I didn't have to I didn't have to bite him much about their effort. You know, they they knew the basketball was something that was important to that town. It was something that they had grown up that was important to them. So when they put that practice jersey on, that game jersey on, they they were ready to go. You know, and they worked hard for me, um, and, and that was something that obviously going in any situation you worry about as a coach it was one of the main things coming here that I worried about was okay what kind of group of seniors am I going to have are they going to buy in right away are they going to wonder why this random guy from Nebraska who happens to know their principals coming and coaching them you know and, and they gave they gave a ton of effort they worked really hard and I'll be forever indebted to them just like I am to those kids at Beatrice because if you you know that if you get that for a couple years as a coach you get those kids that are working hard and doing what they're supposed to do obviously that's going to carry over and now the younger kids just realize this is this is how business is done here and mm-hmm. um 
like I said, those things at the Beatrice, they were already kind of figured out for me. Um, and the, the youth program, you know, Beatrice, like you said, it's, it's one of the better programs in the state, and that's why. They, they have an outstanding youth program. Um, once again, talking about people in the town supporting me. Tom Bartley was one of the biggest reasons I was successful in Nebraska. Um, clearly, now I missed, I missed out on the first two on Tommy and Trey, but clearly Ty and Tilda Bartley helped with that. Yeah. Um, his two boys have played for me, but yeah. Tom was Tom was the president of the Hoops organization when I got there. Um, he ran it through right up until my last hard to go over either my last two years or my last year. Um, and even then, he was still involved. He still helped me out. Um, he also was, when I needed to get new windows in my basement, a mead lumber was the one that hooked me up and told me what I needed to buy so I didn't look like an idiot walking around the hardware store. You know, Tom was huge. And that's, was and that's like, important in a small town. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it was people like that. You know, and it was it was someone like him that was saying, you know, hey, this is, this is where we're going. I've met with this guy. You know, there were people that, there, there were people that, cared about Tom's opinion as much as an assistant coach or maybe even the AD or principal at the high school. Um, you know, and, and he was always a good supporter of me. He always, um, like I said, was there to help and, and was, and was willing to do that. And one of the first people I met there and, um, one of the last people I saw on my last day, you know, was, was Tom before we moved back here. So, um, you know, it was people like that, like I said, were extremely supportive, but, um, yeah, hey, when you're in one of those situations, you know, you, I'm not going to sugarcoat it either. They're, you're always, like I said, going to be fighting that shadow. So when, when things are going well, things that did different were, were looked at one way. And then when things weren't going well, things that I did different were looked at another way. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, yeah. that was part of it. Um, like I said, my, my, my parents, for the most part, my, my kids almost all the way across the board, um, my, my, my principal, Jason Suter, you know, and like I said, Tom Barsley, my assistant coaches, there's a lot of support there that helped, you know. Anyways, Jim, you know, Jim, uh, for, for all I know, I mean, who knows? He might have been saying different things when I wasn't around, but he was always a, he was always a resource for me. He was always someone I could talk to. Um, he, he wasn't afraid to tell me, you know, hey, this is how we did things. You know, these are that. And, and he always said, you know, I'm one of the biggest supporters of Beatrice basketball. And he goes, I always will be. And now that I left six years later, I, I feel the same way. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm like him. I, I want nothing but those kids to be successful. I want that town to continue to have the success it's had. And um, so that that was big, too, that, that, you know, Jim wasn't actively fighting against me, you know, as he was at his job at Doan and then, and then now at Auburn. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, pe- the people made it made it a good situation, made it great. But there, there's definitely some things that you got to be careful of and things that you got to make sure you, you, you have that support from the right people. And, and again, just keep doing it for the right reasons and hope that it works out for the best. If there was one, you know, you start over here at Nevada. Um, if, if what was the uh, biggest lesson that you took from Beatrice that you were conscientiously uh, going to, I don't, I don't know if correct is the right word, but I'm going to use it. Uh, here's what I'm going to do differently at Beatrice or at, at Nevada that I wish I would have done better at Beatrice. Um, you know, that's, I've obviously thought about that a lot. Um, it's something that, um, as we were making the move here, as we made that decision, um, something that kind of replayed in my head. And, um, one of the biggest things, um, to me was 
I, I honest, I, I am not an, I'm not, like I said, I'm not an ego driven person. I'm not, I'm not a wins and loss drive person, but especially in the game of basketball with how many variables there are, the, the way the game's played, um, it, you know, you, you need to have that one voice. And, and I think at times in Beatrice, um, either if it was listening to assistant coaches, listening to players, or maybe even just myself, you know, you're talking myself out of something, wondering about, am I playing the right kids? Are we doing the right thing? You know, how are we going to attack this team? All that kind of stuff. Um, that, that there was times where I, I think I listened too much. I, I think that I tried to take everything in and tried to um, not necessarily please everyone, but try to make sure if I could get everyone's opinion and voice and the way they saw things all to meld into one action and, and you know as a coach that that's tough sometimes yeah. um, and so that was something when I came here um, I have great assistant coaches here I, I have three guys that um, I, I would have trained for the world they're, they're outstanding and, and I told them I'm like I, I'm a guy that wants input I want to know I want your opinion like but at the end of the day I'm the one that's going to make that call you know and, and I even start my parent meeting that way and say you're all here for your kid you know, my JV coach's number one job is this, is to figure out how what we're doing affects the JV team. My freshman coach with the freshman go, I'm the only guy here that has to worry about kid one through 50. Yeah. I, I'm in charge of the entire program. I got to make sure it all works. And and I have to sometimes make those decisions. And um, like I said, I, I wasn't afraid to make them at Beatrice, but I think that, um, and again, you're walking into a situation. A lot of people have a say, assistant coaches that have been there for a while. And um, I, I think I kind of got caught up in that. Well, man, that's a really good idea. Oh, but so is that. So is that. And, and trying to do that and not, not having that one more solid voice a little more. And yeah. um, it's something that I've really, really worked on here, um, getting those opinions and, and getting that from the players and my assistant coaches, but then sitting down at night and saying, okay, this is what we're doing tomorrow and, and moving forward from there. You have to, uh, and you want to cultivate those opinions because you, mm-hmm. you need those ideas because you don't have all the answers. You don't have all the ideas, but then, like you said, you can't have too many chefs in the kitchen either and and, and that's and that's such uh uh, that's one of the biggest challenges you have as a head coach is keeping everybody involved but having everybody realize that ultimately it's my decision you know yeah you know and and one of those people you know one of the guys that's had a huge influence on my career that i haven't mentioned yet is doug moody um who i coach of the miller south um and and doug was very good at that you know even the first year when i was a freshman coach there at Millard South, so I, I wasn't even at varsity practice a lot. We'd get in games, and I'd kind of be sitting there, and he'd look and say, "Well, you, you, you're thinking something. What are you thinking?" And he, and he wanted my opinion, um, you know. But as you, know, I can't Doug, imagine, you have, I can't imagine Doug being pretty blunt and straightforward. Well, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. You know, Doug, <laughs> after he got your opinion, oh yeah, like it, that was Doug, Doug's a great guy, but you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, he that's, could he could get after it. Yep, and that was some, that was something I learned from him, and something that honestly, when I came back to bid, I thought through in my head. I was like, okay, I, I need to be a little more like that. He was very open. I we had a ton of conversations. I love talking. I've I've enjoyed talking basketball with him as much as anyone I've ever met. But there, he also had no problem at the end of the day being like, okay, I like two thirds of that. The other third, I'm never doing, and moving on and just going. You know, and, and that's that was something that. Um, I, I've tried to be more like and, and try to do a little more of it. Like, like I said, you know, you know him too. Like, that, that's that's not. He, he's one of those guys. He he definitely knows what he wants. He definitely has his plan, but he also is is willing to listen and willing to get, like you said, cultivate those opinions to make sure that they're there when he needs them. And so, uh, it's something that I've I've really strived and had to work hard to to, to maintain that as I've been here. Yep. 
Well, we're going to transition here, Coach Strzok. Uh, we're going to go into the Don Meyer quote of the day. Um, All right. Yeah, yeah, the goat, the goat Don yes. Meyer here. Um, so the Don Meyer quote of the day is, this is the longest one we've ever had, by the way. So, uh, Well, that's, that's weird because I, I barely talk that much. So <laughs> kind of a long quote. Uh, it's okay. Long. Hey, that's, that's hey we're, we're, yeah. we're not even close to the longest episode yet, so don't worry about that. So, uh, yeah, it's, a, you know, Godfather Part 2 type of stuff. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Don Meyer, quote of the day. When I go in for heart surgery, I want a full-time surgeon. I don't want some guy who just does it part-time between rounds of golf. You want a guy who is at it all the time and is always reading and learning about the most recent techniques. And I think there's a lot of truth to that with coaching and, you know, staying up on things. You know, you're, you know, one of your mentors, which we talked about extensively, Coach McDermott, how much he changed and adjusted and actually was a little bit of the head of the game uh, at, at that point. And, uh, you know, you just, you just got to stay on top of it, you know. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, and that's um, you know, one of the things I know we're going to talk about. I don't know, if ready to talk about it yet, but you know, I that's that's been one of that was one of my major um, changes for this year. And one of the things that we decided to do as a program is we, we've changed to running a lot more zone defense. And um, I, I always joke, I always said the lineup. I, I was born in a man-to-man household. You know that <laughs> my that's that's how it was. That's how life was. And, and you played man-to-man defense. And um, but like you said, that you have to be willing to to keep looking and, and do those things and be someone that's going to be in that grind and looking through it and looking for answers and reading up. And, and, you know, that's, that's, that's what I think separates um, not only good coaches from great coaches, but coaches that stick with it. Coaches that keep yeah. doing it year after year. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about your zone here. You, 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 uh, you said you've been playing some one, three, one this year, which is something that was totally new for you and, and completely different, you know, how did you reach that point? Uh, let's start with that. How did you reach that point? And then we'll talk about some of the things that you're doing to implement it within your program. Um, well, you know, obviously, you know, in Nebraska, um, I, I felt like we saw a lot of different kinds of defenses. We, we saw a lot of man-to-man, but we saw a lot of 2-3 zone, some 3-2 zone. And then, obviously, you saw a lot of 1-3-1. One, one. I mean, the success of Wahoo, Nebraska, as, as a community, has had run at a 1-3-1. One, one. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's obviously going to bleed its way out into, in, uh, throughout the state of Nebraska. And, um that was one thing that I noticed when I got here, especially last year, prepping for games, um, watching games over the summer and watching games over the fall from the previous year, and then just getting into the grind of going through the schedule and trying to figure out who we're playing and what they like to do. I, I did not see a ton of zone. We, we had one team ran a little bit of one three one against us, but it was more of a more of like a, a the half court trap version, you know, the, the uh-huh. trying to create a little havoc, trying to create a little panic type thing, and um, saw some other zones here and there, and um, but but you know, it's a couple two threes, you know, nothing crazy, but but like I said, for the most part, saw a lot of man to man, and um, looking at the team, not only that I was going to have this year, but going to have you know the next two three years down the road, and and just some different things. Um, it, it was something I kind of started to look into, so I went back in the vaults and watched some old Beatrice games versus you know the Cretes and the Mount Michaels and the Sewards and some of those teams that have run some one three one against us. Um, and then, um, like I said, you, 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 you nailed it on the head. Of, you know, trying to look and find different guys and reaching out. I, I just called the two Wahoo boys. You know, I got to call. <laughs> I got to. I got to hold. You know, I called. You know, Wahoo High School and Bishop Newman High School, and and started talking to those guys and, and had some great conversations with them. Uh, shared a lot of resources with them. Obviously, went back and watched some of their games. 
um, got to watch, you know, I watched their state title game. They played against each other. Um, and, and through that, just kind of, you know, the, the more they were talking, how they played personnel with both of them playing a little different way, it, the, the personnel seemed to fit um, what, what we were going to have and, and kind of how I wanted to play. Yeah. Um, as 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 luck would have it or unfortunately have it, a lot of coaches must have thought the same way. Now, I have not seen a lot of one-through-ones, but we have seen a little more zone this year than last year. Yeah. So I, I must not have been the only one that came across that. But, you know, yeah, it was something that, um, like you said, doing some research, just looking, something a little different. Um, yeah. and, you kind of zigged when everybody zagged a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Just trying to, trying to find something different and trying to find something. Um, like I said, I've always been a defensive coach, and, and um, I knew we had some good single defenders, but I also knew that we were going to play a decent amount of young kids this year. Um, and so to defend at our level, um, the, one of the biggest differences I've also found from Nebraska to Iowa is there's a lot more possessions here in Iowa. The, the, yeah. the kids kids are yeah. kids are definitely more willing to shoot the ball quicker, um, get up and down the court a little more. And um, I, I, was, I was a little worried about how some of our kids might respond to having to play man-to-man, especially the way that I'm used to playing and the on-the-line, up-the-line stuff, um, you know, night in and night out. Um, so we, we started early. I, I met with our leadership team. I met with our entire, you know, a bunch of our seniors. I met with some of our juniors and sophomores even and kind of talked to them about it. And, and they they want, they seen on board. And so it's, it's something we implemented right away, which was good. I, I actually lost two starters um, until Christmas from football injuries. So we those young kids that I thought were going to play, some pretty some pretty pivotal roles all of a sudden were starters and playing big roles and um i think although some of our sports got away from us early in the year we we were we were able to kind of, to kind of figure some things out before we got some of those guys back that were going to play a little bigger role for us and kind of melding all that together ended up um you know i think that zone is something that not only had worked for us but is, is getting better and better as we go how are you? Uh, what are you doing in practice? To, and I, and I, I know the medium is a little bit difficult because you you know it's a non visual medium. But if you could describe yeah. some of the the stuff that that you've done in practice to to implement it and yeah. and, and and how you've done it. You know, absolutely. Like I said, talking to those two guys and and seeing the the one thing I liked about a one three one is it's something that can be very different. You, you can you can really extend and pressure. You can push a lot. You can put a big guy on the top, you can put big guys on the wings. I mean, you can do a lot of different things with it. So um, at the heart of it, you know, the main things we're doing in practice, we're still doing closeout drills. We're still playing some one-on-one and working on guarding the ball um, because I, I don't care what defense you're in. If, if you can't, if you can't keep the basketball in front of you, and then you can't have someone somewhere near help side to, to be there. If the ball doesn't stay in front of you, it's really not going to matter what you're playing. So, so we still do a lot of those closeout drills. Most of our rebounding drills are still kind of in that man to man world. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of things that way, but the biggest things we've worked on in practice, um, are those closeouts and kind of the difference between a man-to-man closeout and a closeout in the zone when you're closing out to spots, you're closing out to a responsibility more than I'm closing out to, to Kirk, to Curry or Durant or Westbrook, you know, and like when, when you're closing out to guys and, and, you know, I guess scouting reports, obviously that changes a little bit in the zone. You, you're, you're closing out to a spot. you got to be wide. you got to get to the spot. you got to make this next pass tough. Um, and, and so that's, I think those are some of the things that we're doing as far as in practice, like literally breaking those down, having wings at one basket, you know, the top of the zone at one basket, the bottom of the zone at one basket, the middle at another basket and, and doing specific things 
specific things that have been bothering us. Um, the other thing we do a lot of, and I, and I got this um, from those guys who is, you know, we play a lot of five on six, where, where they so we can have a high and low post and all four corners. Um, so sometimes we'll we'll put restrictions on the offense. You know, I'll say, hey, you got to make six passes before you can shoot, or you know, you can only the bottom two guys can shoot corner threes. I don't want the 25, 30 foot three from the top because I want us to work on some things. Um, but but we didn't play a lot of five on six, and I, and I think that that works and it makes us cover up more. And like I said, those responsibilities become a lot more important. Um, but at, but at the end of the day, defense is defense. If you're not if you're not fundamental, if your butt's not down, your hands aren't up, you're not sliding your feet. Um, you're you're going to be in a little bit of trouble regardless of what you're doing. So we still work on that stuff. That's still really important to us. But um, even for me, it's been a little bit of an adjustment of what does that actually look like? You know, I can't just do a two-on-two closeout drill like I've done for all these years. Now i got to actually get people at a basket and have the coach know what they're supposed to do. Where where are we trying to close out? What action are we trying to take away? Yep, yep. Um, that's that's good. That's really good stuff. Um, your practice setup, how do you – how do you uh, how do you set up your practice on a daily basis? You're kind of in the in the the middle part of the year. Uh, you're not doing the marathon stuff like you do early, but you're not really cutting back like you're getting ready for the postseason. Mm-hmm. You know, so what does a what does a typical uh, Tyler Struck practice at Nevada four for four uh, high school <laughs> uh, look like? Um, you know, I'm I'm one of those guys. I, I make a practice plan every day. You know, and um. Yes, we do some drills. You know, we do a couple of shooting drills that are kind of the same. You know, we do some things that are similar. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I put thought into every practice plan. I, um, and I think that's maybe more for me. It is as the guys, you know, I know some coaches that have had a ton of success with, you know, they kind of roll through three or four practice plans and they're always kind of the same. And the guys get that familiarity and, you know, you get that pace and those things. But I, I've always one that's, you know, I know there's things I need to work on and, and I want to try to have some drills and things tailored to that. But, um, so to me, obviously, after the beginning of practice, you know, our thought for the day, you know, kind of get some ball handling in, get some shooting in, um, which, by the way, is my one little key thing that I've, I've added. Uh, I got from Coach Leninger at Aurora. Um, he said he starts every day with ball handling. They, they do some ball handling on their own, and then he always does a quick ball handling drill. Um, and he said, because it was the one thing that always ended up getting lost, or the one thing in the middle of practice that you'd always just get rid of. Oh, we don't need to do two again. You know, two ball, ball handling. Um, and so, and I was the same way. I always felt that way. So I've done that too, and it's, it's been good to make sure we get that part of the game in. Um, but so after kind of that, um, I always try to have a drill that then relates right to the five on five. So again, we're doing some closeouts and we're doing different things in the zone. Then the next thing we're probably going to do is, is play some zone. We're going to, we're going to be on defense the majority of the time. You know, maybe we're going to give our scout four or five possessions against us. Um, then some, some guys do some things and then we we're going to probably shoot either some threes or some free throws. Then we're going to come back and maybe we're going to do a, a, an offensive drill, a dribble drive, you know, working on our jump stops and our kicks and, um, you know, working on, working on jump stop and skipping it across. Then we're going to play some five on five. Either we're going to go up and down or we're going to stay in half court with a big emphasis on the offense. So I, like I said, I, I try to do some type of drill. And then I, if I'm going to do some five on five, I try to lead it right into the five on five. So um, if you saw some of our practice, I mean, it's, it's going to kind of be chopped up a little bit because of that. Um, but I've, I've tried early on, you know, doing all my drill work early or doing all my teaching early, doing all my five on five stuff early, doing all my five on five stuff late. 
this has kind of been the best balance I've been able to find is that that drill, you know, one or two drills, but then immediately going to the five on five stuff that relates to what we just worked on um, to try to teach that that carryover that this is why we're working on the drill. This is how I want it to look yeah. when we actually play to then hopefully in a game be like, hey, we've worked on this in practice for two days. Now go execute it on a Friday night. Yeah, that immediate correlation from the and, yep. and carryover from drill to, to to five on five and, you know, going from the from the practice to the to the test, so to speak. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Do you do you ever do anything like, uh, hey, real quick, uh, we're gonna play a one point game or a one basket game, one you know one possession game. Here we go. Uh, you know, you five on this team, you five on this team. Uh, winner, you know, whoever wins this one possession, you don't have to run it down back. Yep. Or, you know, things yep. like that. You know. Yeah. Uh, so we when when we do some of that, um, we we have some drills like a. The demon rebounding is a drill we do a ton of, um, and, and you know some different things like that 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 has that competition aspect based to it. Um, that was another um, Beatrice thing that um, I liked from them, but I had to calm down a little bit. They they competed. I think they wanted to see who could get the most drinks at the drinking fountain um, every day. You know that their their competition practice base is pretty high level, but um, yeah, we we try to I try to blend those in, and then we do a lot of late game stuff. The okay, we're down three. There's three minutes to go. We're gonna play. We're down two. There's two minutes to go. We're gonna apply um so so but like i said i i like the competition part in the drills as much as i can for for a couple reasons um one of which is that then i can split up my starters a little bit um you know i like guys to play together and obviously if i think i have the top five or six or seven guys on purple if we're doing some competition stuff we better be winning them you know otherwise Those, otherwise why are those guys not on purple you know yeah. um so so that's like our demon rebounding is always you know i think our two best players uh, they've never been together in demon rebounding all year and they won't be you know that because I, I like those guys going against each other and those kind of things so that's kind of one of those reasons that um we do that but yeah i do like them throwing in that competition base and um honestly probably something i need to do a little more of especially like, like you were saying that's a really good idea of the just a real quick the, no this is it like it's you get a possession stop yeah. you win score you win you know those those little things in there to keep those practices you know competitive and upbeat yeah you can you can do something like uh we, we would do this from time to time you know we'd have five you know one possession games and we'd okay. have and we'd have uh the the same six or you know five to seven kids you know whatever number you have in practice let's say you got 12 kids you got you got six on this side you got six on this side Nobody sits out twice in a row, and we're going to go drill, drill, one possession game. All right? White team won that one. You're up 1-0 in the series. Drill, drill, one possession game. Uh, black team won that one. Now we're tied 1-1. One one. We're going best of five, and, the, and they know that going into it. Nice. Uh, you know, uh, that type of thing. And especially this time of year, you know, it's a great way to emphasize special situations. It's a great way to emphasize, uh, you know, how important one possession can be to a game. And, and it, you know, it keeps them fresh. It, it, it keeps practice moving. It's, it's a quick transition, you know, w- with kids' attention spans the way that they are uh, today. And, it, and it's not their fault. It's just the way that their minds have changed with the, with the technology and stuff like that. It's a great yeah. way. It's a great way of uh, changing up the practice. Uh, but you're getting done what you need to get done, and you're emphasizing the things that you want to emphasize there. You know, so yeah, and and I think that yeah, I, like I said, I'm definitely stealing that. I you know to steal to steal another thing, I, I need a pen and an napkin now to make sure I write that down. <laughs> make sure make sure I get to take that with me. You know, because that yeah, I'm always looking for things, and I and I have a really competitive group. I have kids that 
you know, like, I, and, and it's a good thing, you know, my, 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 my subs, even some of my JV guys that aren't playing a lot of varsity minutes, you know, they're hungry and they want those varsity minutes. They, they want to get in the game. They want to do those things. So our practices are fairly competitive. And, and I like that the, the one, one possession, the quick, it, it, you, you, you dial that aggression up, but then you get to come back and not do another drill with your teammate again. And yeah, I, I really like that. Like I said, I'm definitely stealing that one. Here's, here's another one. And I'm going to steal this one and I'm going to give credit to Jen Raggi at Elkhorn, who was on our second okay. podcast ever. All right. But I saw her, uh, I went to one of her practices and she did this and I thought it was awesome. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing you guys practice and most of our high school coaches are going to practice JVs and varsities together. Yes. Okay. Yep. So, uh, here's a great thing to bring the two of them together. You have your five or six uh, uh, black team members uh, from your varsity group. You have your five or six white team members from your varsity group. And you can go stop and score, or you can go one possession game, or whatever it may be. Okay? And you, nice. keep, and, and, and you, and you do that. Okay? Then you bring in your JVs, and you've got your, your six uh, black team members on the JV, six black team members on the, the white team for your JV. And you're doing the same drill, and obviously the varsity's off, but it's a cumulative score between the black team JV and the black team varsity, and yeah. and they're together, and they're they're a unified team of twelve. But you're just going varsity versus varsity, JV versus JV, and that's a way to keep everybody involved and and get the varsity kids cheering for the JV kids, the JV kids feeling important in the varsity kids' eyes, you know that type of thing. And that that was a Genragi thing, and I thought, God, that's a great idea. You know, yeah, I like that. You know, I, I've I've stumbled into that a little bit with some drills, but never point and never done that. Like I said, it's, it's like extreme point. I'd be like, no, that was these six, these six go and keep that score running. I really like. That. Yeah. So, Jennifer, you're welcome. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I would give you credit for that one. No, it's a terrific idea. So, um, yeah, I, I usually do most of the questions. I, I haven't thrown on the interview podcast. I haven't thrown out a lot of the stuff that I used to do or, yep. uh, you know, that type of thing. That's kind of the most I've ever really talked about stuff that I used to do ever. So, I don't know. It's 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 podcast nineteen. We're going to change it up a little bit, I guess. So, uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's good. Um, dribble drive offense. Uh, what are some stuff? You know, a lot of people run a four out, five out. You know, you see the threes flying. You get the Mori ball and the sprawl ball and that type yep. of stuff. Uh, you know, what are some what are some things that you do to implement your dribble drive offense? Um, you know, that that was something that they had in place when I came here. Um, they they had been running for a while, um, and, and I found what. Uh, my, my one of my assistant coaches, um, John Cruz, he does an awesome job with it. Um, knows knows kind of the ins and outs of it, um, and, and it was it was really good. That the the issue that I had, and I and I always had it playing against it, um, is that if 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 they didn't create enough closeouts, if you didn't move the ball, if you didn't have a pass at some point, we, we could switch everything, you know, and we, we were able to get some teams that ran the dribble drive against us. We were Beatrice and I'd get either Hunter's Arbonicki or Landon's Arbonicki on the ball. And it seemed like they were never off the ball because they'd yeah. be switch and they'd hand off it. And we could really stifle teams because those two guys were good enough. They did not let people drive the ball against them. Um, so it, it's something that, um, I think they've done a good job at Nevada with before I got here of the, having some actions, you know, having, having some different things they do to get cutters through, to, to move, to, to have these things. And, and to our kids' credit, they know them. They know them like the back of their hand. Um, so we, we work a lot um, and still do on the fundamentals of, you know, how are we going to get by when we get to this spot, what needs to happen? How does that cut? You know, I go and jump stop and the guy's running for that handoff. 
you know, how are you going? Where's your body position? Some of those kind of things. But what I try to then implement a little bit just from my motion background um, offensively is, okay, we come around. Yeah, that guy comes at kick. You take one dribble and you're not going to get the corner turned. Instead of dribbling three more times that guy, let's pass it to him. Let's get a one more. Let's do something. Um, that kind of it, – it, it was a struggle, I think, at the beginning um, last year at times. But I had saw how good they were for zone offense, for zone defenses, their zone offense. We would move the ball, we'd, we'd fly it around, and then we'd get in that dribble drive, and there just wasn't a lot of passing, you know, unless it was for a, a backdoor cut, you know, or something like that, you know, basic handoff type stuff. Um, so the more that we've been able to do that, the more we've been able to implement some of that. Um, and again, just creating closeouts. You know, I, I don't care what offense you run, if you can get the ball side to side a couple times, you're, you're going to get a good shot. Um, the, the, the good part of this dribble drive, the good thing is, is we have kids that aren't afraid to go to the basket. Kids that know how to score around the rim, kids that know how to pass around the rim, um, can get themselves to what I call a tough spot to get a teammate a better shot, to, to get that dump to the post, to, to get that guard to be able to turn the corner. Um, and so it's, it's been really fun. It's been, it's been really fun to take what I, what I've always thought more in my mind of a man to of man-to-man offense being that pure motion, you know, I talked about being in a man-to-man household growing up defensively. I also know how to navigate a down screen, you know, as the screener or the guard since I was a little kid too, you know, that was yeah. just stuff you were taught, yeah. you know, I'm um, growing up. So um, to, to be able to see the game a little different, um, to keep that spacing. And like you said, use some of those new things that are, that are kind of coming into the game of basketball that, that, you know, the big spacing, the Mori ball, the driving kick threes, you know, to be able to utilize some of that with still being able to pass the ball some and has been big for us. And um, also, we, we got a lot of kids that can shoot it, including one that um, shoots it as good as anyone I've ever coached. And, you know, some of the guys I got to coach at Beatrice, so that's yeah. saying something. Um, you know, yeah. the, uh, yeah. the Sandsguard kid, he's, he's going to have over 200 made threes in his career. He's, he set our school record for made threes, and he was a freshman. He made nine in one game. Um, the kid can just flat out shoot it from a long ways away. Well, you put him on the court with three other guys that can drive it, now that dribble drive becomes a little, <laughs> a yeah. little tougher to defend. So, yeah. um, so we've got some, yeah, we, we've worked on it, got some good things out of it, but again, trying to start the initial action with a drive, trying to start the initial action going to the rim, but then not being afraid once we get the defense moving a little bit to get back to those passing, those spacing, you know, moving it. Like I said, those one more passes, getting a post touch for an inside out, those kind of things to keep defenses honest that way. Only nine threes in a game? Yeah, that's all That's all he could muster up as freshman. And if you saw yeah. the picture of him, you'd know why, because he had to be tired after that nine three. He looked like he was about six years old. So um, so that was the one picture I got when I came to, like, this is your shooter. I'm like, that guy? No, well, he was a freshman at this point. I was like, yeah. okay, that's good. So, yeah, yeah he's... The guys like giving him a hard time with a picture of, of him after that night making those nine threes. So yeah, don't don't turn yeah. on the air conditioning too high; it might knock him over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but now he's 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 got himself in the weight room a little bit. He's grown up a little bit. He's and he's also an unbelievable golfer. He was one of our main guys of the state. Uh, they they actually won the state golf championship this year. Oh, awesome! Um, this last spring. So yeah, he's an unbelievable golfer too. And and if you like, I said if you've seen him play basketball, it makes sense. I, I doubt a ten foot birdie putt's going to bother him very much because a thirty footer with a guy flying at him doesn't seem to bother him a whole lot either. So yeah, he's he's, he's a good one. We're we're lucky he's on our side. Very good, awesome. Uh, statistically, when you, when you look at a game, you know what are some things that you're looking at? What are you? Obviously, you've got you know scout specific stuff. You're playing. Yep. Prairie City Monroe and and they got three six five guys. Well, hey, we got to keep them off the offensive glass, or you know, the, you know, you got your but but 
you know, game to game, what are the two, three, four things that you're really emphasizing on a consistent basis uh, that, that you look at at halftime or after a game and you're like, you know, this is the key, you know, these are the key things yep. I'm looking at. Um, you know, like you said, outside of those scout things, to me the biggest one, and, and this is a McDermott carryover, this is something my dad told me, those to me the biggest one is turnovers. You know, I'm, I always talk to our guys, I'm a big believer in the basketball gods. I think, I think you know, you have those four or five bad turnovers. Well, those might have been the five possessions that we made those threes. You know, you, you have a bad night shooting, say, well, we had ten turnovers. What if we went eight of ten from threes on those ten possessions? You know, mm-hmm. and so so to me, turnovers are a big one, um, especially the careless ones. You know, you just you come down and throw the ball away you don't take your couple dribbles to start off a transition transition fast break you try to rebound and throw at the length of the court turn it over you know I, I think those things are always that that's always going to be my first and foremost um but like you said a lot of times it is scout specific but it's also just the way basketball is played especially at the high school level you, your rebounding is going to be big you know if if you're winning the rebounding battle or if you're close um you know so those are the two i guess more those traditional stats, those things I look at right away. Um, another one that's been big with um, having huddle that breaks things down for you. That uh, we have that huddle assist that um, you know sends things back, so it has down clearly. So when I go back through and watch the game, uh, I've now gotten really big into looking at looking at it quarter by quarter. You know what are we doing in the first quarter? What's what's changing in the second, the third, the fourth? Um, that's been something that. Um, it's, it's really changed the way I think and it's changed the way that I've kind of communicated things back to the guys too. You know, I'm looking, Hey, you know, this we came out after halftime. We had a great third quarter. Well, why, why, what were those adjustments? Why, why didn't we make them before? Were they things that you guys didn't see, you know, or was it just, we got our legs back under us or maybe we got back so-and-so who had two fouls in the first half. And, um, so that's kind of something, um, another thing that I've kind of looked at a little more and paid a little more attention to. Um, and then the biggest thing that this is a, again, an old UNI thing, a back thing, when I sit down and watch the game afterwards, um, keeping that OER basically the possession by possession. You know, I, I talk to our guys a ton, um, about runs and gaps and different stretches in the game. And like you said, the, that's why I like that. And I'm stealing that one, you know, one possession games throughout practice because, I, we had a situation, we, we played at Gilbert, you know, the team that one of the best teams in our conference, a good team in this area. And we started out the third quarter and, and we, we took kind of a rough, a rough shot. They got to run out and score. We made two free throws. They got to run out and score. But it, those are the only two times they scored in the first eight possessions of the third quarter. So we had, we got six stops in eight possessions. The problem was we also had five turnovers in those eight possessions. Yeah. You know, so I told the guys, I'm like, that was the game. You, you lose by four or five. You were in it. It, it. That that was the game. We got the stops we needed. We executed on one end of the floor. All we had to do was just get shots on the other end, and that's maybe the stretch we win it. So I'm a big, like I said, that OER basically just possession by possession of the game. You know, breaking it down and, and kind of going through and showing them. You know, these runs, being able to stop them. Not only be stopping them with a the timeout, but you guys stopping them on the court, getting together. You know, slapping somebody in the face, doing something. You know, find, finding these times in the games when those things happen, because I really feel like if you limit those on defense and if you can find a couple of them on offense, you're going to win a lot more and you're going to lose. Yeah. 
Do you ever, do you ever, again, I'm going to throw my little two cents worth in yep. here on this. Do you ever talk to you about your kids, uh, about like, uh, the kills and the turkeys, you know, getting three stops in a row, getting three scores yep. in a row and that type of stuff? Yeah, that was that, that runs. Yeah. I was referred to them as runs and gaps. Yep. Yeah. So like a run is anytime. D- different terminology, run, but same thing. Terminology, it's actually yeah. Same thing. Yeah, those runs and gaps that you can have in a game. And, um, that's like you said, those, those are the things that are going to determine it. Um, I actually saw something really neat. It was, Unfortunately, I was watching the Creighton game and they ended up ended up on the wrong end of it. But um, Xavier actually puts those up on a board. They have their kill a kill meter oh, up wow. on one of their oh up that's on one cool. of their boards during games. No, I'm and stealing so that. Like, I'm stealing yeah, that. When it gets to two, when it gets to two, like the crowds cheering and stuff because they know, hey, this is our third stop. And I was like, ooh, that is awesome. Yeah, because I, I think those are huge parts in the game, you know. And, I, and I've even talked to our guys, especially Beatrice, a lot. You know, in those big time close games, you know, we're playing Scott, you know, it's, it's, it's a battle. It's back and forth. And he said, Hey, we get one gap. We get, we get one gap in the third quarter. We get a single digit third quarter. We're going to win this game. You know, and you get guys on the bench. That's one. That's two. You know, trying to, trying to cultivate that, you know, those three or four in a row can, can really, can really do a lot. So I, I, to me, that's a stat. To me, that's an important stat. I mean, it's not a stat that shows up. You know, in the Sunday paper, if we still mm-hmm. have papers anymore on Sundays, but um, <laughs> you know that, that, that to me, that's still that's a big stat that I look for. Is when did we have those runs offensively, and when did we get those stops defensively? Yep. Last thing, uh, you talked a little bit, uh, and you when when we were kind of emailing back and forth, you were talking about mindfulness and yeah. uh, kind of the mental approach to things, uh, and you you seem like you're really excited to talk about it. Uh, you know, I'm just going to kind of turn the floor over to you, uh, and, and just kind of explain what you mean by that, uh, what you've done with either yourself and or your team, uh, to be more mindful or, you know, what direction you guys have taken that at Nevada five for five, um, <laughs> you know, so I'm being mindful about saying Nevada. So yeah, exactly. that's, it's, it's already, um, it's already sunk in on me. I like it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, you know, mindfulness. Um, it, it, a lot of things. There's gonna be a lot of times that we realize that they've been doing this, that they've been talking about these things with their team, um, without maybe putting some of that terminology on it. And um, uh, we have an, an unbelievable staff member here, Meg Frieders, um, who works um, at the high school that is very big in this. She's done some research and. and some professional development things early in the year, just getting to know her um, and talking about it. You know, she, she had said that you know a lot of athletes use this mindfulness, and, and basically, what mindfulness is it, it's it's a combination of some things, but it's 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 keeping yourself in the moment. It's it's not worrying about things that have already done, not worried about things coming up, but, but being able to keep yourself in that present moment. And there's a ton of athletes. LeBron James, obviously, one of the most famous ones that uses it. Um, you know, Kobe Bryant was, was very big on this, on, on this front. And there's been different college coaches that have started implementing people that are going around. Um, she just gave me a book over Christmas that I haven't finished reading yet, but I've been kind of going through called the mindful athlete. Um, there's a ton of research, a ton of videos. Jonathan Taylor's a big one from Wisconsin. Um, they did a little piece on him for the Wisconsin Iowa game or the Wisconsin Nebraska game. One of the two, I was watching some Saturday morning um, about how he uses it. And again, it's about keeping your mind in that present moment, keeping yourself where you need to be. Kind of um, something we talk a lot about is being where your feet are. Um, so obviously, as a basketball coach from a basketball standpoint, um, that's that's huge. You know. It, how many times do you do you mess up something on offense? You miss a shot on offense, 
So then you have a bad defensive possession or, you, you know, you get beat, you, you blow an assignment and then now your head's not in it and you turn, and you turn the ball over. Um, we, we've all seen those kids that come out of the game and are upset and on the bench and they're mad and you can tell they're replaying all the things that have happened. So being able to stay in that moment, being able to stay, you know, not letting the highs get too high, not letting the lows get too low. Um, and just kind of being there. And like I said, as a coach, there, there's things I had talked about. There were things that I had worked on, um, our thoughts for the days, all those kind of things that I think were leading to that, but never had the actual terminology, never had the actual, um, someone that had been trained in it and, and was as passionate about it, um, as I am about basketball. That, that's kind of, that's kind of led to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what we've done, we've done a lot of things, you know, there, there's some the meditation stuff we have mindful minutes we but the biggest thing we talk about is that breath that mindful breath being able to take that breath in, feeling the chest rise feeling it come down and, and calming the mind and like i said keeping keeping in that in that place um we, we've talked about having anchor points where where spots we look at um again something as a coach i've been doing forever i always look at the scoreboard i, I just for years i've looked at the scoreboard yeah, i know what the score is I, I usually know how much time's left but i always caught myself doing that and um the other thing if you see me coach is i always have my water i'm always going walking and taking a drink of my water especially when i'm bad i take a drink of my water calm myself down um and, and you know finding out well that's you know the, the scoreboard was my anchor point it was something that i was looking at to try to get my mind back to, to forget about the last plays and be ready to move forward you know looking at that score looking at that time and you know having that that moment was kind of a ritual um, to, to kind of wash away the play walking to get my water taking that drink what was rituals and things that i had gone through and um like I said, Meg's done an awesome job. She meets with our players. We, we try to meet at least once a week. There's over break. She came in a couple times, so then maybe we won't go that next week um, or I'll just do things with them. But um, just constantly giving them examples, showing them things, and, and trying to help them um, through some of that stuff when they're on the court. The The reason I like it the most, uh, Marty, is that it's it's a skill that I don't care if you're my best player or if you're guy number 49 in the program. It, it's a skill that you can take with you. It's a skill that you can that can help you later on in life. It's a skill that you can use um, moving forward to, to become not only a better player but a better person. You know, and uh, there's a lot of times, especially when I try to go to sleep at night. You know that the life of a coach in the winter, you get, you get, man, you get you get caught going over all the things in your head, and then it leads to okay, well, I'm in charge of the girls tomorrow, so I got to go pick them up and yeah. get all the sandy yeah. at the grocery store, and then all of a sudden you're back to an out of bounds play. You should have called. <laughs> just, you know, um, and, and, and it's keeping it's things that I've been able to use to calm my mind and to yeah. get myself to just calm down just a little bit and just stay present in that moment. Um, and, and like I said, it's helped me personally and it's helped me with my family too. When, when you're playing with the girls and you know, where we were, we were playing old maid today, go fish. And that's all I'm worried about. You know, I'm not yeah. worried about what practice is going to look like tomorrow. And um, th- there's been some really good things for me personally and been trying to share that with our guys. And, and I think it's had a lot of success. And I had some guys that graduated even last year that are talking, Hey, I use it college i use it before i'm getting ready to study i try to get my mind right you know i've used it before tests and, and so that that part's been really good and, and something that i've definitely seen the advantages and, and seeing that moving forward um just outside of the basketball court you know i uh over the last uh 22 ish months i have not uh stared at my ceiling nearly as much as i did for the 24 <laughs> years that I did before, you know, yeah. that, that has been the one benefit, uh, yes, of, 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 of not, uh, not having a team on a daily basis. I, you know, it, it gets harder and harder to suppress that urge to, uh, want to get back into it, you know, yep. 
um, you know, because there's there's this warped part of you that misses staring at the ceiling at two o'clock in the morning, you know, a little oh, bit, yeah. you know, and oh, uh, don't get, yeah, don't get me wrong. I love that. I still think oh, yeah. bounce plays from the 2014 state title game. I mean, <laughs> that, those are those are things that I'm that I, I hope I never lose that stuff. Oh but, sure, yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. You know, like it's it, so it's it's been something that, like I said, it's been good for me. That, that like I said, there's a ton of research about it. There, there's a ton of you know high level athletes that are using it. And like I said, there's even more athletes and coaches that have been talking about these things and using these things without maybe using those exact terms and those things. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I'm very thankful to Meg. She's been awesome. She's been a great sounding board for me as a coach she's, she's coming to work with our guys um giving us great ideas and like i said hopefully giving them some skills that they can carry on with them here moving forward what's the name of the, the mindful athlete that's yeah, the name the of the mindful book? athlete and um, who's the author do you know yeah well if you give me three more seconds because i i always joke and i always want to say george foreman and i know it's not george foreman <laughs> but the name's close enough and that's always the first thing <laughs> that pops in my head so I better well he's selling everything else why not a book you know, George, George Mumford, Mumford, okay. George Mumford, Mumford. All right. I will try and maybe yes. put like a amazon.com link to it when we drop the pod yes. here to it. Absolutely. So. And like I said, it's, it's, it's a great read. There's great stuff in there. And then ton of video things. And I, I'm a big, uh, um, I don't know if you ever watched the series, the what drives winning series from Brett Ledbetter and read his books and other things. And that, that's where actually one of the Kobe things is that he talks about, you know, his, his approach and his mental approach and different things. And yeah, there's, there's all kinds of great resources on that, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a game changer and it's been something that, like I said, I, I'm hoping will carry over not only my program, but for those guys here moving forward. Well, I, I love the, you know, what you said about how this is something that they can take with them in life, you know, yeah. and, and, and their jump shot isn't going to have anything to do with them being a great engineer or a great teacher or a doctor or whatever. But those are the type of skills that we as coaches can give our, our players um, in any sport, in any gender, uh, those life skills that will help them be a better person for the next 60 or 70 years of their life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So, well, that's a great place to, to end it on. Uh, awesome night, Tyler. Yeah, thank you. And, man, again, thank you again for, for having me. I know that sometimes when people cross the river back over to Iowa, that we, we forget about them over there in Nebraska a little bit. So <laughs> I, I appreciate the thought and uh, being on, like I said, hopefully uh, something for the listeners to maybe think about. And um, always willing to talk basketball, especially uh, with I, you know a guy like you that I respect a lot. And I, I've talked to our coaches. I want to do some of those. We used to have some of those Saturday morning get-togethers with different coaches talking yep. plays and stuff in your classroom. And yep. Things that I've talked about here, if you want to start to kind of get started, get set up. And yeah, so just uh, anytime I can talk basketball with somebody, I'm, I'm going to do it. Like I said, I really appreciate you thinking of me. Uh, no problem. You pay my airfare, I'll come over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, any, uh, any social media uh, to follow you, to follow your program, uh, to, oh, to check yeah, you guys I, out at uh, all? Yeah, yeah, mine's just um, mine's just Ty Struck, so T Y, and then S T R U C K, um, and that's on Twitter, and then obviously the Facebook, Instagram, you know, Facebook Tyler Struck, or Twitter is the same, or Instagram's the same to Ty Struck. Um, and then Nevada, um, you know, obviously the Nevada smell like Nevada. Um, like I said, I'm so proud that you got them all right hey. the whole night. That was pretty good. Five for five. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, we're the Nevada Cubs, so obviously there's the, you know, Cubs activities and Nevada Cubs, B-ball, and um, all that stuff. But yeah, if you follow me, I kind of follow all them and retweet the different ones through. And so yeah, just at Ty Struck, and uh, yeah, if, 
uh, not not a ton on there. You get you get a lot of basketball and a, and a little bit of my my girls and my wife and family things. So that's that's about it. So it's pretty pretty exciting follow. Hey hey, that's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes the simple <laughs> things are the best things. So we'll hold exactly. the line hold the line here real quick. I gotta go over a couple things and and uh, you know so just hold on just a second here. Uh, again, Tyler Struck from Nevada High School in Iowa, six for six. That's an, an homage to Iowa girls, six on six basketball there. So <laughs> we'll end it right there. Uh, but uh, we want to thank COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, again, Dr. Kevin, Dr. Heidi, they're the best. If you have any chiropractic needs and, and you're here in the Omaha area, uh, go look them up. Uh, 144th and Maple, give them a call at 402 964 zero three zero zero like i said give us a follow on twitter a pen and a napkin uh coach struck has been following us for a while and it's been it's been great hopefully been able to help him out uh download rate and review the podcast and if you got any questions if you got any comments if you got any suggestions email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com it's been a great night here with tyler struck appreciate his time coaches as always be sure to hone your craft one day at a time <laughs>